on an Ask Terry Anything episode, who knows what I'm going to say. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. Oh, the amazement of technology. I am sitting in my vehicle waiting. Um, I've been doing some traveling lately on behalf of friends and family. And isn't um, isn't it cool that we can manage things such as podcasts and stuff? I mean, it might not sound as good as the microphone from my home studio, but here I am. If you hear door, doors slamming and airplanes flying, I have my windows down as I'm waiting. But um, I uh, periodically have episodes where um, I answer questions that folks have sent in. And we had had so many questions last time sent in that I'm addressing some of those and then also commenting a little bit just on um, a general question um, from people in my circle. But about the situation in Ukraine, I am um, probably the least learned person regarding things of this sort. Um, I move as from a really gut and compassion and empathetic oriented perspective. And um, <clears throat> I might sound, excuse me, by the way, I do have a bit of a like a froggy thing in my throat that's still left over from COVID. So it might just, um, it might be bugging you if I clear my throat too much, but that's why. But I, um, I manage things sometimes and it is not a good way to go about it, I don't think, because I, I drag it all over my life. But I have to kind of shut off myself sometimes because things bother me, hurt me. I feel things to such a degree. I remember having a conversation with my friend, Alan Pruitt, about um, being an empath and I think he was the first person that introduced me to the idea of that label, though I knew I was highly empathetic, like off the charts kind of empathy. And I sometimes have to bring balance back to my thinking by just shutting off, either not hearing about a subject any longer, which some of my family and friends can attest to that. If I hear too much about something that's overwhelming to me, I have to just say, okay, I, I can't, I, I can't hear any more about it. Um, maybe that is, um, an immature way about going through things or dealing with things. I don't know, but that's just me. And I, I feel very strongly about and passionately about people that are pained, but, um, the Ukraine, of course, I, I, I know that I am not alone when I say how saddened, scared, um, upset I am about what is happening there, um, feeling quite helpless in, in the ways that I would immediately want to address the situation. Some of the pictures and the photos have just hit me very strongly. I'm also super blown away by the um, wherewithal that the Ukrainian people are pulling from to um, to resist this takeover. I can't, I can barely get my mind around it. But um, the other night, um, in, in being wired as such, where I 
I have to come up with a solution to help. And when I can't, then that's when it feels overwhelming to me. Or sometimes I'm diverted to pull myself around things from my own life in order to address things that are pained in others. And it's just a habit that I've been trying to one break, but also find a way to manage. And the the topic of of the Ukraine kind of falls in that. I mean, I know that no one literally expects me to solve the problem, but there's just this tug, this heart-filled open space or capacity that wants to take on something. And I was um, uh, in a church service the other night, Saturday night, and there was a song uh, being sung, a, a contemporary worship song for lack of another description. And I, I don't really recall what the lyric was. I'll think of it and maybe I'll add it into my notes. But in that, it just opened up the doors that I'd kind of closed a little bit to manage thinking of them. It hadn't been, been but a few days anyway that they had been invaded or um, been under duress in that fashion. But I uh, stood there and cried in the church service thinking about these lives that did not ask for this and that on behalf of country and their personal worlds were were really going um, toe-to-toe with forces, evil forces. And the 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 mothers with their children that were leaving and all the displacement that you know and you know I don't have to spell it out but I just felt so heavy and but then in the crying um I did feel a release and a hope you know that I'm a person of faith and I I know that God is bigger than all of this and there's all the arguments about why would he let things happen and to good people and that's all a topic and discussion for another day but I I I I know those discussions um I um also know that he is he is the giver of all good things and the that he is a lover of his creation and his people and he hears us when we're broken and he reaches out to us in our our cries and our prayers and I uh, immediately in my heart and my mind started praying for the Ukraine, uh, the people of the Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian people. And um, since then, this was just a couple nights ago, since then I have seen so many comments, not denominationally driven, not particularly in any particular faith, but just reiterating what I instinctively because of my perspective and my place in faith new to do and I just want to encourage you whether you're a regularly praying person or whatever that means to you that um, our prayers are heard and I believe they're the most powerful thing and it isn't well all we can do is pray I mean that is a powerful quote-unquote weapon against what is happening um to pray, to pray for their protection, their provision, supernatural um, assistance, and turning this over to God is an uh, um, is taking action in a way that nothing else, nothing else does. 
Um, I know there are things that require taking physical action. I know that there are those that are doing it that are risking their very lives. I know that there are strategic things happening that I don't know about and planning. But from a perspective of here where I am, I don't have to feel helpless in this situation. And prayer is a powerful tool. So if you are a prayer, if you are not a prayer and you want to learn to be a prayer, just open your heart up and your mouth and your, and if it's allowed or in your mind or your thinking and communicate just like I'm communicating to you right now with God. And um, we can see mighty things happening or mighty things happen from prayer and I'm going to trust in that and put my faith in that and I wanted to make sure I took time to say that today I know it's not the best place to break into those kinds of um, I won't say arguments but you know what I mean like uh, arguing a position or sharing from a, a place that might be um, not a common place for for people um to start talking about something like this. Prayer is not necessarily a common place to start unless you're in circles where that's common. Um, And I'm not so sure that my podcast is always reaching an audience that shares my faith or in this instance, my perspective in terms of prayer. But there you go. Uh, Let's pray like we have never prayed before for the Ukraine and the Russian people who um, I am sure uh, many, if not most, um, are not in support of this and that will are fighting their own battles, living in a government situation that they have been in, and particularly with the history there in Russia. Anyway, that was long-winded, but let me get to a couple of questions, um, two or three, I think I have here that I can probably address or more but um, you know I post some things on social media of my home I have um, I took this uh, this quiz called uh, and I don't know did I say this to y'all already Um, the highly sensitive person quiz (laughs) the one that I wrote did I say that did I make that joke already I feel like I did I'm having deja vu but um I took the quiz. Um, I had never heard that there was such a test or such a thing. I mean, I know I'm highly sensitive, but I mean, there's a thing. Anyway, I pegged the the test. I think like the maximum of this particular test was 24 and guess my score. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, 24. 24 was my score. But in the highly sensitive person's test, as they break down um, what that means, it did indicate that my surroundings are important and um, what I see visually is very important to me in my mood and my home, um, though not fancy, um, there's really not anything essentially brand new in there. Um, in my home, everything's kind of a repurposed thing or made or something, but, uh, I do have a thing, a style, a look, a it doesn't resonate with, I think it probably doesn't resonate with most, but someone did comment and say, we saw some photos, we've seen them over the years, and um, 
what would you say your style is? And I was like, wow, what is my style? When someone say it's country, I'm like, uh, no, it is not country. Because I have beat up furniture that has the paint peeling off. That is not country. And it's not, um, it's not, um, remember shabby chic, y'all? Remember that term shabby chic? Okay, well, it's not shabby chic. I think that's kitschy catchy. As a matter of fact, I don't feel I have a style. But if I had to put a word to it, I think there is a term um, called bohemian or boho. And with the understanding that kind of anything goes. But uh, when I went to go look it up just to see if that's really a thing, and it depends you know, where you're looking, um, as usual... Uh, it um, does have kind of like a um, a quaffed, do a little of this and these are the colors and blah, blah, blah. And that, I'm not that kind, you know, though I think I lean towards some of that. But it's a mismatched this and that with some intention. And I just go off my gut of, of bringing balance in a, um, a room. I think um, it might be my creativity. I love to dabble in all things creative not just as um an actress or a writer but um I love to paint or I love to make jewelry or you know you know what I mean stuff like that so um I think it comes from that like an eye of singing things but I thank the individual who wrote in and commented on my abode because I can like walk past a room that has um, been cleaned <laughs> and uh, the lights are on or a light is on in the corner or what have you and it is kind of like getting a shot of something my spirit gets leaps um, I have a I was just telling this to a friend the other day I have a favorite rug um, excuse me I'm gonna take a drink of water I have a favorite rug that's light colored and um that, that I like in my bathroom. It's slender and long and um, it gets, you know, it gets dirty quickly. Just like not major dirt, but just like scrumpy, messy-ishy looking and not bright like it, it, like I like it to be. But when it's freshly out of the washer and dryer and it's laying on the floor and my little itty bitty lights on in the bathroom I walk past my bathroom and it like does something to me and I would think that people would say that that rug is definitely a boho rug or bohemian so that's my style that's my decor and I really do appreciate um my surroundings and in turn when they are out of sorts it's an agitation so um meaning disorder or I haven't had a chance to put things away or something. I, I just, uh, suffer from that. So a nice, nicely decorated or nicely placed blanket, furniture, stack of books, whatever the situation is well placed that makes sense to me. I can move something on a table just to just a fraction of an inch and that was enough to make a difference that made the look come together for me now that's probably just my anal retentive mind at work it it probably means nothing in a decorator's world but it has something to do with whatever it is I wanted it to look like and feel like so there's that you asked Terry anything and I gave you an answer on that one um let's see 
pet, what is my pet peeve? What is my pet peeve as if there's one pet peeve? Um, I'm not big. I don't have a long list of pet peeves, but there are some things that probably really get me. Um, and I think rather than like anything physical, you know, or a, a tick or a thing like that, one of my pet peeves and I might be opening a can of worms when I answer this, but one of my pet peeves is when people blame something that is theirs to own, to decipher, to correct, whatever. But on something else, someone else, hoy. And I thought about you know, like even just why I was talking just then, why that might be so agitating to me. But I have a feeling in that, that it has to do, I know I went through some um, counseling after um, Jim passed away and it, it unraveled a bunch of other things in me, which was excellent to unravel, things you want unraveled. Um, Uh, one would want unraveled. But I know that the counselor said, you know, you have you, meaning me, have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility. And I'm all, uh, let's break that down. So not only um, do I feel uh, responsible for pretty much everything in some way, shape or form that in and of itself is then overdeveloped as well. So it is a heightened, um, position of thinking that I'm responsible or I have some, um, uh, some power within me to, to take on the responsibility when, when in fact I don't and many times shouldn't and need to back away. And I think that's all, um, see, did you hear the drag racing going on down the street? <laughs> um, I think that that in some way is a controlling kind of thing, um, too. It's mixed in. Um, it isn't so Mother Teresa-ish. Let me help you. Let me help you. I can help. Let me help. Let me help with that. Let me do that. I'll do that for you. I'll, let me see if I can, you know, all of that are even actionable things and things that I say, but then there's the feeling that I'm also responsible. And, um, my position as me in an unhealthy way probably puts a spotlight on another individual's dysfunction on the opposite end of the spectrum that does not want to take responsibility for anything because of who knows why. I think when we don't want to take responsibility for things, we we fear that we can um, and that we're capable and um, worth it. So we blame everything. And I happen to... um, uh, have a B in here. Nope. Um, I happen to, I'm rolling that window up really quick. Oh, this is fun. This is a great podcast. Here we go. And bye-bye. Um, um, and then the, uh, radio came on. Okay, good. Uh, welcome to the Terry Summers podcast. It's as professional as it gets. (laughs) Um, that's my pet peeve. So, 
I can also, I think I'm hypersensitive to that too. Like the average Joe might not pick up when someone's really placing the blame elsewhere or dodging responsibility, but I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to sense it because I'm way over on the other end. So not unlike a teeter-totter, it's like someone dropping and slamming me up in the air because they drop out in their lack of, of uh taking responsibility. That would probably be one of my all-time biggest pet peeves right now. Right now. Who knows? We could add some to it. Uh, maybe sooner than not. <gasps> Ask Terry anything. Let's see. How long have we been at this? All right. I got a little time. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I saw this one um, and I hesitated because I thought that uh, brought up feelings that I didn't really want to maneuver through. But um, the question is, if you could have a day with someone who is no longer here, who would that be? And... I, I don't have to think much about that. Like I, I did put some thought in it to see who else could I talk about, but um, it would be my dad. And I hesitate to say that a little bit because I feel kind of like I feel about someone telling me of a box of chocolates, you can have one, just take one. I'd kind of rather not even experience the deliciousness of the one if I can only have one. And not so much with chocolates because that's not really my thing. But let's say Cheez-Its. You can have one Cheez-It out of the box. Yeah. I'm not opening that box. No, thank you. But because it's my dad, I, I mean, yes, I would love a day. I think. I think I would. Like... I don't know. I think I would just be, I'd have to really, if that were really provided to me, I would have to chill myself out so much that I stayed in the moment and could get everything I could from that 24 hours uh, instead of knowing the day was going to end. Um, But my dad uh, died when I was 22 and... I think just this past holiday season, um, I really missed him. You know, this has been a handful of years, y'all. And um, I just wondered what life would be like if he were here still. Now, that wouldn't really help me, though, if I was going back with him for just one more day. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the thought of like, Oh, I have to go through that separation all over again. But anyway, that was the question. I'm controlling the question, aren't I? I'm trying to rewrite or readdress the question uh, that was asked of me. But that would be my answer. It would be, um, it would be my dad. Um, gosh, I, I'm trying to think. I I think another person that came to my mind that wasn't so personal and that I don't have a relationship with literally, but I do figuratively was Lucille Ball. 
I I feel like I'm have been so affected by her in um, in my brand of comedy or my way I see things as being funny. What I learned, what influenced my funny bone. And then, you know, there's been so much about said about her and even a peek into their um, their mean she and Desi's private world through movies and what have you that I don't know, maybe that's not what I would envision sitting down with her. I think I would be thinking of sitting down with uh, the Lucy Ricardo. Um, But I, I... I, I, I'd have to still put her on the list, I think. Um, you know, to pick her brain, I guess, or actually just to be in her presence, maybe, and see how that matched what I feel for her and her. I literally work my life out in I Love Lucy episodes. Like, I I say often, remember the time when she... It's like It's like when she and... Um, there's something kind of funny about that, but there's something I think very precious about that, that another individual made an impact in someone's life that they didn't know to that extent that they really kind of manage their memories and their situations based on some of those episodes. I mean, like, like an ideal situation for me, like a cozy, cozy would to have it be raining, thundering would be nice, stormy, a soup of some sort on the stove for later, a really soft, comfy sofa, um, with a, the perfect throw over me or quilt, depending on how cold it actually let's let's make it really cold. Um, like maybe it could be snowing soon, but I think I like to hear the rain and then a fire in the fireplace. I love Lucy on maybe some iced tea sitting on the table with a coaster. Um, and dozing off and taking a nap to that and then kind of stirring and hearing, um, her and Ethel doing something and then falling back to sleep. But I don't know how I got off on that. Oh, because we were talking about if I wanted to spend the day with someone. The other person, and I'll leave it at that, at three, because nobody really gave me three to choose. My dad would be primo. But also, and this has a lot to do with my dad, I, I probably would like to sit down with Elvis Presley. The He was iconic in my family growing up. And I think I shared with you on an episode that my dad sounded just like him. I mean, when I say just, give me a little bit of wiggle room there, but but literally, mis- people would mistake my dad's voice in the background on a phone call or things of that nature where they weren't looking at him to be Elvis Presley. But my dad loved Elvis. My mom loves Elvis. My brother and I we're not of that quote unquote generation, but we became part of that generation. We listened to Elvis all the time. My brother actually sounds like him as well. But, um, I think he, again, to be in the presence of people who had such an effect on other human beings, um, I would, in a way that actually seems powerful to me. I know there's so many people in the world that have come and gone and left us well affected. Um, But 
I would like to spend some time with Elvis Presley. He seems like a bit of a mystery, but I also feel like I know him. Like I know a lot of his story. Uh, when he passed away, our family kind of went numb. We were getting ready to leave on a vacation, 1977. Um, and we took a drive out and to, to Texas um, in Oklahoma and such. And he had just passed away. And it was like, I think I wrote his family letters in the back of the station wagon. It's a movie in the making. It really should be. But that would be someone that I would like to spend a day with. And then I can let them go without the pains of anything. I can let them go and continue to appreciate their music. Maybe that's who I would say instead of my dad. But I don't know. I would love to have my dad back. But I just love to have him back. And I know that's not possible. But that's where that thought comes from. Well, haven't I aired out a lot of things? I love Ask Terry Anything. If you would like to ask me anything, and not that I'm anyone, you know, I mean, that's kind of what's a little bit weird about this. But if you would like to ask me anything, since we don't get to sit down at lunch together, um, please go to my website, which is terrysummers.com, and I spell that T-E-R-E-Y-S-U-M-M-E-R-S dot com forward slash podcast. There you can not only ask me anything, you could also, if you'd like to, put in that you would want to be my next guest and I can interview you. Or if you want to interview me, we could do that too and make a notation of that. Um, That would be super fun. So... My love to you, pray for those in the Ukraine and for the situation. And having a conversation with God is never a bad thing and easier than many might think. Um, and send in those requests. And thank you for bearing with me in my... Um, my uh, traveling sound studio situation. And we will reconvene next week on the Terry Summers podcast. Please um, subscribe and like and share and all that wonderful stuff. It helps. Do you know that we're pushing 100 episodes on the Terry Summers podcast? Isn't that exciting? It is for me. And you've been along for the ride. And thank you so much. Bye. Till next time.